Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hi, and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast. One of the most common questions I get when I tell someone I'm a lawyer is, what kind of lawyer are you? My usual response, not a very good one. So please don't start telling me about your problem that you want fixed for free. Okay, I'm not bitter. I'm good, really. I am, seriously. Okay, let's, let, let's just do this. All right, so kidding aside, what do you do when people ask what area of law you practice? The answer, like all things in law, is never simple. You can have a practice focus, but can you say you're a specialist in a particular area unless you are, quote, board certified? What exactly does board certification mean? Why might it be important to be board certified? What if you are just certifiably bored? Since 2016, Leo Figueroa has served as the executive director of the Texas Board of Legal Specialization, TBLS for short. Before that, Leo practiced law for 32 years in San Antonio. And in case you're wondering, yes, he is board certified in both civil trial law and personal injury trial law. So he's not only the executive director of TBLS, he's also a member. We're lucky to have Leo with us today to talk about the TBLS board certification and what it means. So Leo, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate it, Rocky. Good to be with you this morning. Absolutely. So let's start with the very basics. All right. So what is the Texas Board of Legal Specialization? What exactly is it and what does it do? TBLS uh, was established by the Supreme Court of Texas at the request of the State Bar of Texas back in 1974. And, And our mission is directed by the Supreme Court is to promote the availability, accessibility, and quality of the services of attorneys to the public in particular areas of the law and to raise the standards of the legal profession. And we certify uh, lawyers in 25 specialty areas and paralegals in eight uh, specialty areas. With both of them, we're looking for their uh, substantial relevant experience Uh, in select areas of of law and whether or not they've completed uh, the requisite number of CLE hours in the specialty areas and then passed a rigorous uh, certification exam. For a lawyer who's, who maybe practices in a particular area, what, what's the benefit of getting board certified? I mean, what you just described, honestly, to, to a lazy person like me is like, wow, I got to, that's a lot of work. Why would I want to do it? What would, what would be your your case scenario for wanting to get board certified? Board certification matters for a number of reasons. First, and I think most importantly, it's an independent and objective public validation of your experience, knowledge, and expertise in your specialty area. In addition, it distinguishes you from other attorneys who practice in the same area of law. It instills client confidence in your abilities and respect from your peers. It encourages also attorney referrals, since many lawyers, including for their own protection, prefer to refer matters outside of their area of expertise to attorneys who are board certified in a particular area of law. And it's also a valuable marketing and professional networking tool. The TBLS website, tbls.org, for example, provides potential clients, and referring attorneys an easy way to 
identify a board certified attorney in a specific area of law in a particular geographic area. And moreover, being board certified enhances your ability to relocate, change jobs, law firms, or even open your own law practice. Let's talk about this this issue of how it affects clients, because you know I, I'm I'm trying to think of the typical non-lawyer who walks into a lawyer's office or is looking for help in a particular area. Do non-lawyers really understand what board certification means? And I, I guess how does the TBLS make it clear to the public that there's a difference between a board certified lawyer in a particular practice area and a non-board certified practitioner? A couple of things, and the studies that that I've seen haven't been done here in Texas, but they've been done in other states. Okay. And those studies have shown that members of the public, when shown two attorneys for possible hiring of those attorneys, the overwhelming majority uh, of those people in those studies chose the board certified attorney. There's something about just the the language of being board certified that instills confidence in potential clients. The thing that I always uh, uh, liken it to, although there are certainly differences, uh, if you uh, need to have your knee replaced, you're going to go to a Mm -hmm. board certified orthopedic surgeon. They hear the concept of board certification oftentimes in the medical context. And, and I think that is one of the things that entices clients to go to a board-certified attorney. But the other thing is, as I indicated at the beginning, board certification is an independent and objective validation of an attorney's ability in a specific area. So it's not a popularity contest. It's not just the attorney touting their own bona fides regarding uh, their experience. TBLS is an independent, objective measure of whether someone has the requisite degree of experience, knowledge, skill, respect, and knowledge of the law. And we provide attorneys with that information to be able to market that independent validation of their expertise. Well, let's let's talk for a moment about maybe what what exactly is involved. I mean, you alluded to it earlier. You said there's some CLEs, there's an exam. You know, what are the CLE requirements? What is the exam like? And how does one cheat on the exam? I'm kidding, but no, <laughs> really, what, what's you know, tell us a little bit about those specific requirements. Well, there are, as you might expect, having 25 different specialty areas for attorneys. Uh, The requirements vary according to the specialty area. However, there are certain general requirements that cover all of the specialty areas. The first, obviously, is is that the attorney uh, has substantial relevant experience in the specialty area for the requisite period of time. In most cases, in most specialty areas, that is having that minimum substantial involvement percentage in the, the specific area of law in the three years immediately preceding application. Uh, they okay. also have to have 60 hours of CLE in the specialty area immediately in the three years immediately preceding the application. 60 hours. So that, that goes beyond your minimum requirements for 
That, yeah, I mean, under the state bar rules, you've got to have 15 hours of CLE sure. uh, each year, but it doesn't have to be in any particular area. Right, right. But if you want to do this, then you'd have to get you have to get more than just the 15. You'd have to get, effect, if you're going to do it over a three-year period, it's at least 20 hours, along with your ethics and everything else. So that you're, this, is, this is a significant CLE commitment. It is, but I can tell you from experience, it is well worth it. Because if you are practicing in a particular area, you want to know as much as you can about the relevant case law, statutory law changes, so on and so forth, that can help you navigate cases or matters in that specialty area, all to the benefit of your client. And when you think about it, the state bar offers CLE programs, advanced CLE in a variety of these specialty areas, whether you're talking about advanced criminal law, advanced personal injury and trial law, advanced civil law, advanced estate planning and probate, and the list goes on. The other thing I would mention is that once certified, lawyers are certified for five years and then they have to apply for recertification. And during that five-year period, they're required to have 100 hours of CLE in that specialty area over that five-year period. Does that include teaching it, or is that is that only as a student? It, it can include teaching and, and providing, you know, presentations at state bar CLE courses. It can also include teaching uh, at a law school. So there's a number of things. It just has to be uh, something that shows their expertise and knowledge and, and studying in uh, that particular field of law. So we've talked about the CLE to a certain extent. Let's talk about this this exam, this testing, because I thought the bar exam was the last test I'd ever have to take. But now you're telling me if I want to get board certified, there's there's a test involved. Tell us about that. There is, and it's a rigorous test. And, and perhaps the best way to uh, talk about that is the exam, and it's a six-hour exam, Three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. The three-hour exam in the morning consists of three essays. The afternoon is 100 multiple-choice questions. We have, in each of the 25 specialty areas, board-certified attorneys in the specialty area that draft the exam. So they mm-hmm. draft the essays. They draft multiple-choice questions. And those exam commission members grade the essays, grade them anonymously. They don't know whose mm-hmm. essay they're, they're grading. Uh, Phew, and, thank and, goodness. <laughs> and and uh, the multiple choice questions, as you might expect, are computer graded. And we provide exam specifications to those that are approved to sit for the exam that gives them, you know, a framework of the topics that uh, very well may be covered on the exam. And it helps examinees uh, study for the exam as well. So it's a six-hour exam, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. So the one question you didn't answer, though, about the exam is, who do I bill for the time of taking the exam? I'm kidding. All right, so uh, w- w- one thing one thing that I've always wanted to know about, and I think it, it can be a little perplexing, is does a lawyer have to be board certified in order to say that he or she is, quote, specialized in a particular area, or must you be board certified? I mean, there's there's some language requirements. But before you answer that, let's let's go to a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, Leo's going to give us the answer to this question. We'll be right back. 
The Texas Lawyers Assistance Program provides confidential help for Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who have problems with substance use and mental health issues. TLAP offers 24-7 confidential support and can connect you to peers and providers for assistance. TLAP can also connect you to the Sheeran Crowley Lawyer Wellness Trust, which provides financial help to Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who need treatment for substance use, depression, and other mental health issues but can't afford to pay for services. Call or text TLAP anytime at one 800 343-8527. And we're back. We're back with Leo Figueroa, the executive director of the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. And the question on the table is, does a lawyer have to be board certified in order to say that he or she, quote, specializes in a particular area of law? So Leo, you had a couple of minutes to, to think on that answer. What What's the story with that? Rocky, this is covered in rules... 7.1 and 7.2 of the disciplinary rules of professional conduct. And basically what that says is, number one, a lawyers, uh, whatever they do in terms of communicating uh, their practice uh, and advertising that practice has to be truthful. And there can't be anything false in mm-hmm. that communication. Sure. Secondly, a lawyer, any, a lawyer, if you've got a law license, you can practice in whatever field uh, you want to, and they're free to do that. They don't have to be board certified. Thirdly, in order, a lawyer cannot say that they are board certified or that they are a member of an organization Mm -hmm. uh, that the name of which implies that they have special expertise unless they're board certified by TBLS or by an organization accredited by TBLS. All that being said, the disciplinary rules that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. a lawyer is certainly free to say, you know, I concentrate my practice on or in this particular area, criminal law. Uh, mm-hmm. I devote 100% of my time to criminal law. Uh, you know, I'm a great lawyer in criminal law. They can say all of those mm-hmm. things, but they can't say that they're board certified or a member of an organization, as I indicated, uh, that the name of which implies that they have special expertise. Right, right. Okay, so, so so you can specialize. You don't have to be board certified in order to specialize, but you can't say you're board certified unless you're actually board certified. Is that is that kind of the long and short of it, or am I missing? That's, no, that's no. correct. That's correct. So let's talk about, you, you mentioned before, is it 25 areas of specialization? Correct. Okay, that's, I, I didn't know it was that many. I thought it was maybe 10 or 12, but there's 25. Are, are there particular areas that, well, I, I guess that, that kind of brings up two questions. One is, are there areas that are the most common areas of board certification that you've come across, the ones that, that those who are board certified tend to apply to the most? Yeah, that's a good question. And what I would say about that, Rocky, is this. The specialty areas with the largest number of board certified attorneys uh, is personal injury trial law. We've got approximately 1,400 uh, certificates. Next, in terms of numbers, would be family law with approximately 870 mm-hmm board certified certificates, criminal law with 836, civil trial law with 828, and real estate law with 808, estate planning and probate with 695. Looking at our certification applications this year, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a total of 552 applications for certification. And the top six specialty areas with the most applications this year are family law at 60, Criminal law, 56 applicants. Child welfare law with 56 applicants. Civil appellate law with 45 applicants. Estate planning and probate 
law with 45 applicants and real estate law with 41 uh, applicants. Are there some areas of board certification that you think are kind of surprising that people don't know about that they should maybe pay more attention to? Because some of the ones you've just mentioned, I've, I've heard of before, but with 25 of them, I imagine there are probably some areas that most lawyers don't even know exist as, as candidates for board certification. Yeah, I mean, we've got some, uh, for example, health law is one. Okay. Uh, juvenile law is another. I'm pretty juvenile in all things I do, so <laughs> I, I might I, I might be able to be on the committee for that one. Yeah, and, and the best in the best way if if any anybody considering becoming board certified is to go to our website tbls and it lists all of the 25 specialty areas uh, as well as the requirements and standards uh, that an applicant has to meet in order to get board certified in any one of those 25 specialty areas. What about new areas of specialty? Is there, is there talk about expanding beyond the 25? And if so, how do you go about deciding what are going to be some new areas of board certification? That's a good question. And, and I think from a historical perspective and putting this in context, as I indicated earlier, we were established by the Supreme Court in 1974. Sure. And in 1975, we had our first three specialty areas, which were criminal law, family law, and labor and employment law. And from that, we've grown to today having 25. Mm-hmm. I would mention in since 2016, we've added four specialty areas, construction law, child welfare law, property owners association law, and oh, most wow. recently, legislative and campaign law. Okay, uh, oh, wow. and, and I anticipate... Right now, we've got uh, the possibility of having aviation law as a new specialty that's currently pending for decision by the Texas Supreme Court. And we very well may have insurance law submitted to the Supreme Court. I anticipate that will be submitted to the Supreme Court uh, this year as well. And those two very well may be offered as new specialty areas for applicants to submit applications uh, next year in 2023. And finally, I would mention that there are a number of uh, other special potential specialty areas that I anticipate will be submitted. Applications have to be submitted uh, to TBLS for uh, possible creation and recognition of new specialty areas. And I anticipate we're going to get a couple of those uh, submitted to us uh, this year. How do you go about applying for a new certification area? Is there do people just come to you and say, Leo, here's what I got, and they hand you an envelope with, with an idea in it? Or <laughs> no. how does that happen? No, and basically the way that works, you have to have 100, inter- 100 attorneys submit an application, sign on to an application, mm-hmm. and it's an application that we provide to them. They have to request that, and they have to provide certain specific information to us. And when they do that, they also have to I mean, it's a fairly rigorous application. They have to draft some proposed standards, and they submit that to us. And mm-hmm. then they we work with them on honing those standards to get them in as good a format as possible. And then that gets submitted to the TBLS board. We've got a 12-member board of directors. And then they make the decision whether or not that new specialty area should go forward in the first step in that process 
is it's submitted for public comment. Sure. Uh, and after receiving those public comments, it goes back to the TBLS board and the board decides whether any revisions to the proposed standards and requirements should be made. At that point, uh, they also decide whether it's a viable and, and something we should go forward with. And then it gets submitted to the Texas Supreme Court for consideration and approval. So it's not in a way a done deal. I mean, the, the Texas Supreme Court has the final say mm-hmm. on the proposed standards and whether, the, whether uh, it should be adopted or not. The last I counted, Texas has roughly just a little north of 100,000 attorneys. How many of those attorneys are actually board certified? Approximately, and it, it fluctuates. Sure. Uh, I think it's probably 7,200 or so that hold okay. 8,400 certificates. The difference in those numbers is the fact that a number of our board certified attorneys hold more than one certificate of special uh, competence. Uh, you know, they may have one in civil trial law, one in personal injury trial law. And in terms, of, you'd also mentioned earlier that paralegals, there's, there's, board certification for paralegals as well. How many areas of specialty do you have for them? And about how many paralegals do we have that hold certificates in that category? We have eight specialty areas for paralegals. It's not as extensive mm-hmm. uh, as, as the one for attorneys. And in terms of numbers, the numbers are a lot less. I would say we probably have about 340 are mm-hmm. 350 certified paralegals. And, and the difference, of course, is with respect to attorneys, they are the, you know, clients ordinarily, you know, when they're retaining counsel, they're going for the attorney uh, right. and, and, and not the paralegal. But, but I can tell you that having board certified paralegals is a tremendous help and assistance, not only for the attorney involved. So not only do you have the attorney that has independent verification of their expertise uh, in a particular area, but their paralegal does as well. And that instills uh, a lot of confidence in a potential client uh, as well. And with respect to paralegals, I I would also say the fact if they're board certified, that uh, enhances their ability should they need to change jobs, should they need to relocate. Obviously, if an attorney, let's say a family law attorney, is looking to hire a paralegal, If he's got a potential candidate that's board certified in family law by the TBLS, Mm -hmm. that particular candidate is going to go to the top of the list. Mm. Right, right, right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about about you and your journey to getting here. So what kind of law did you practice? I'm going back to the question everybody asked me. What kind of lawyer were you before you became executive director of TBLS? I practiced civil trial and personal injury trial law. So on the plaintiff side? On both sides. Actually, I started out uh, on the defense side at a big law firm uh, in San Antonio that's no longer in existence, Matthews and Branscombe. And I was there uh, for uh, 10 years. I represented uh, a number of self-insured clients, clients with with, Mm -hmm. uh, high self-insured retentions. So I didn't do a lot of insurance defense work and handled, uh, you know, a variety of cases, whether dealing with products liability cases, represented a bunch of railroads, uh, Federal Employee Liability Act claim, grade crossing accidents, 
uh, in other civil trial matters that didn't involve personal injury at all. Thankfully, I mean, I got my board certifications back in the dark ages in 1993, and I was able to do that because the number of trials required for for civil trial, especially in personal injury, that was back when you didn't have mediation. Sure. Uh, You didn't have mandatory mediation, uh, and, and arbitration was not something that was widely utilized, and we went to trial all the time because cases didn't settle and you you unless you were in trial right, uh, right or after a verdict was rendered and then at some point after that i decided uh, like paul on the road to damascus i had an epiphany and said you know what sure. i want to strike out on my own and and do plaintiff's work in 2003 that's when i decided to do plaintiff's work and i did that from 2003 until 2016 so, so now that brings us to the most obvious question. Why would you leave all that and become executive director of TBLS? What, what motivated you to make that move? You know, I decided, uh, you know, after practicing uh, law for uh, almost 33 years to take on a new and different challenge and one which I could give back to the profession and most importantly to the TBLS board certification program. I've, uh, I can tell you I've enjoyed immensely working with all of the board-certified attorneys uh, in our 25 specialty areas, uh, all the board-certified attorneys in our advisory commissions, exam commissions, and uh, our board-certified members that I speak to uh, all the time regarding any any number of matters involving board certification. Uh, and uh, that's really my motivation. As time goes on, do you feel like more and more attorneys are opting for board certification or do you think it's kind of been the same or is that is that interest waning to some degree no when you look at the number of new specialty areas that we've added within the last 6 years i think it's increasing and a lot of that has to do with the specialty areas involved uh, i think as i mentioned earlier regarding the number of applications we have this year I mean, there are certain specialty areas that continue to have significant numbers of applicants, family law, criminal law, estate planning and probate law, and then child welfare law that came on board in 2018. We've had, I mean, that's always at the top. So, I mean, there was that interest. And as I mentioned, the fact that, uh, you know, we continue to get new applications for recognition of new specialty areas, you know, aviation law as I mentioned earlier, in insurance law and others that are in the pike. So I think the interest uh, and and the excitement is there and that continues to grow. The the, the one, I guess, downside, it, it, it would be called that, would be when you look at the average age of board certified attorneys, because you gotta be out a number of years before you can even apply. I know in my case, I had been a lawyer for 10 years before I applied and took my test. Sure. And a lot depends on the specialty area. You know, you do have attrition that happens in the process. I mean, to give you an example of one area that that uh, doesn't have very many applicants is workers' compensation. Right. And as you probably know, the legislature back, I think, in 1989 radically revised the workers' compensation law in the state of Texas. Right. And as a result of that, the many thousands of lawyers that practiced uh, uh, in that area just fell off, and, and very, right. very few lawyers 
Absolutely. Well, you know, Leo, unfortunately, we are we are at that time where we've we've reached the end. But this is this has been a fascinating discussion. So Leo Figueroa, executive director of the TBLS, the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and for explaining board certification, what it means. And hopefully for some of you young lawyers and you law students out there, you'll tune in and you'll take this very seriously. So, Leo, thank you again. Rocky, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in and encourage you to stay safe and continue to be well. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, life's a journey, folks. I'm Rocky Deer, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.